and welcome to the GWK Investment Management Second Quarter Conference Call. My name is Dan Fasciano, Director of Private Wealth at GWK. This call represents the views and opinions of GWK Investment Management and does not constitute investment advice, nor should it be considered predictive of any future market performance. Joining me on today's call is Harold Kotler, GWK's Chairman and Chief Investment Officer, as well as Bill Sterling, our Global Strategist. Harold, the S&P 500 is up by more than 18% in 2023. In your written quarterly review, you continue to strike a bullish tone. Could you walk us through some of the thinking behind that? Sure. Uh, the concerns that drove this market down, i.e. interest rates um, trying to kill inflation over the last two years, uh, has uh, is in their late inning, innings, and um, the next, although there may be one or two more moves on the short end up, um, what people are looking at, they're looking beyond it. The stock market obviously discounts the future. It doesn't get hung up on the present, and they see uh, that rates... Uh, will have peaked. Long rates, I believe, already have peaked. And short rates will go up and then back down. How far down they'll go, it's anybody's guess. But the cycle has shifted. That's the important message, that we're on the other side of the cycle. And therefore, the stock market is going up. Earnings may not be coming through yet, but in a year or two, they will. So it's just... If you want, to try to understand the market and to time it is a fool's game, but you can look at trends, and the trend is moving in the correct, right direction. Mm. Bill, let's take Harold's point and steer it to the macro. As we enter the second half of the year, consensus is comfortable with the disinflation, soft landing, peak Fed story here in the U.S. What are your thoughts around growth? probability of recession and inflation as we look toward the second half of the year? Well, I think there's still a good chance that the economy could contract a little in the second half. But the point is a little is something the market can look right through, um, as Harold just mentioned. And the consensus, for example, has third quarter GDP growth at zero and fourth quarter at minus 0.5% annualized, which is next to nothing on a, a quarter to quarter basis. So um, you know, but with that, I think uh, the inflation numbers have been coming down nicely enough. The CPI, the latest print for June, was just three percent uh, year on year, and the um, you know break-even inflation rates have inflation coming to under two percent over the next two years. So, with that kind of um, inflation um, progress being made, I think the view is that you know, like, like Harold said, the Fed probably does one more rate hike. Um, Maybe two, but probably not two. They're, you know, we're probably looking at one and done with the Fed with its last rate hike of this cycle um, in, um, you know, late July, and then maybe a, a you know modest weakening of the economy for a couple of quarters uh, following that. But you know, the history is in the final rate hike of a cycle in the past, going back to the early 1980s, the S and P has been up 16% over the subsequent 12 months following that final rate hike. So if we really are on the verge of one and done with only a mild slowdown or very modest contraction in economic activity for a couple of quarters, 
um, you know, that's a kind of a A plus from the Fed's point of view of achieving a soft landing, which I think, you know, the market is obviously uh, looking forward to. You know, this reminds me of if everybody's old enough to remember Y2K. I mean, if you remember 1999 and all the discussion that was occurring on Y2K mm. um, and not, nothing happened. If we have a recession defined by two week GDP quarters that is so minor, it'll be like it didn't exist. I mean, people hear the word recession. And what does that mean? Well, there's some deep recessions. It's not a depression, but it's, it's, it's a slowdown. And, and as Bill suggests, the slowdown could be so minor that it'd be almost non-existent. But the word, people keep on hanging on that damn word and it impacts psychology. Mm. Well, let me take that point and, and turn it into something actionable. Harold, you know, and, and, and we here, clients will, will call and say, geez, you know, I can get four and a half, five percent in a CD or some kind of money market instrument you know, at the same time that muni yields are, you know, two and three quarters, 3%. I mean, what advice are you going to give? And I'm, I'm thinking about what you just shared around, you know, kind of what a recession might mean here. I've tried to teach our clients over the last 50 years, third grade math, rate times time equals distance. So you can get a nice rate but how long will you have it for? If you only have it for six months or a year, year and a half, versus uh, a lower rate, but will be sustainable for five or 10 or 15 years, how can you compare the two? And if you know or you believe that that short rate is by definition short, then why wouldn't you extend? It's just like the housing industry. People worry about mortgage rates. You can always remortgage. The home value, you lock in. But the, re the mortgage rate, you can re you refinance. It's just looking beyond the, the, the obvious in the moment. Yeah. Better to get 3% for 10 years than 5% for... Six months or a year. Exactly. Thank you. All right, so you mentioned mortgages. Bill, I want to steer this back to you because you recently authored a piece on the state of the commercial real estate market. And and you didn't just stop there. You talked about some of the implications behind that or around that. Share with us your conclusions from that paper and what warning signs should investors be looking for? Yeah, well, well certainly everybody knows if you've been to a U.S. metro area that uh, since the pandemic, um, you know, occupancy of office buildings in many downtown areas now is only back to 50%. Um, the whole move towards online shopping uh, means that lots of um, store windows are closed throughout many metro areas. And, uh, you know, the commercial real estate um, sector is, I think it's around 5% of GDP, but it punches above its weight in terms of a huge um share of loans in the commercial banking system, something like 25% of overall loans 
um, in the banking system are to commercial real estate. But for the small banks who have about 70% of the commercial real estate lending exposure, uh, close to half of their loan book is commercial real estate. So there's something like $400 billion of um, debt that, um, you know, relative low, low interest rate commercial property debt that matures uh, over the next year. And it's certainly possible that there could be a quote unquote credit event with some real problems surfacing as uh, lenders try to refinance at, you know, higher rates. And with, um, you know, many lenders very wary, particularly the small banks, of taking on any more exposure, um, if not having an incentive to um, reduce their exposure. So I think the bottom line is this is still, you know, predicting credit events um, is, you know, very difficult in terms of the timing. But I think it's indicative of the fact that the Fed did tighten monetary policy a lot. Uh, you know, it, it hiked interest rates from zero to, you know, probably uh, very soon 550 basis points um, in a little more than 12 months. And one sign of tight um, monetary tight monetary policy is bank uh, money supply is down 4% year on year and credit is getting tighter for a big group of borrowers and commercial real estate's probably number one in the crosshairs. So it is an indication, I think, if we do get any kind of strains that surface headline events um, that um, you know basically make people nervous about small banks, again, that would be an indication that rates have to come down you know, sooner rather than later, and maybe more than people expect, as Harold's been, you know, I, I think cautioning us that if you look at other cycles, it's often the case that, um, you know, rates when they do start to decline come down a lot. So that's, I think, what I'd be, I'd be, I'd be looking for whether there are any headline events or news events of, um, you know, companies and banks that are facing problems as this, uh, you know, as these maturities and the rollovers, uh, you know, I think over the next two years, it's supposed to be 900 billion of debt that needs to be rolled, rolled over. If that becomes a problem, it is an indication that monetary policy is probably too tight. Well, so, and if I hear you properly, and, and I'm linking this to what I heard from Harold a little bit, you know, a couple of kind of observations ago, you know, we may be out of the woods from a macro standpoint, but there will be pockets of weakness, softness in, in within the U.S. I mean, would that be a safe thing to say, Bill, in your mind? Yeah, and I think that's the history of every tightening cycle. Something breaks, and you know what could break in this cycle is commercial real estate because it's facing these structural problems in the wake of the pandemic, as well as very tight monetary policy. That's right. Also, you have to be careful when you say commercial real estate because uh, apartment houses rents uh, have held up really well because of the inability to have enough housing stocked for uh, young people. Um, so, yeah, and a lot of stuff is being repurposed in very creative ways, uh, but yeah. And that's a really good point, Harold. I think it's the office space in particular that's the most vulnerable. And the Fed cutting rates in response to that, if that happens, if it's one of the reasons they cut rates, actually helps those other sectors recover more quickly. Right, exactly. Well, so Harold, let me kind of keep going with you on 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 the investment landscape. Um, you know, I have the luxury of sitting right next to you here in the office, and I see our investment leaders walking in and out throughout the day. You know, as you contemplate where the opportunities are, and 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 you talk with our various investment leaders within the firm, you know, what are you most intrigued? buy right now? Where do you see the opportunities, particularly for our longer-term investors? 
You know, we just had the investment meeting this morning. I, I'm struck. I, I can't help but being totally struck by the good companies in this company are, are fully valued. Not overvalued, but fully valued. And the good companies and that support the Asian markets are undervalued. And, of course, everybody has all the reasons why. You can list them. And I said, if I was George Soros or if I was 20 years younger, I'd go all in and make the swap from the west to the east. It feels so compelling. But, of course, no one will agree with that because then they'll talk about the politics and all the other reasons why not to do it. Having said that, because I do believe that, having said that, it's a discipline that you can't always be comfortable where you invest. Good investing is entrepreneurship and looking beyond the obvious and don't look in today's numbers. If you're looking today's numbers, you're looking in a rearview mirror. So the opportunities to invest in right now, small cap is way underperformed, large cap. Equity deal is underperformed, outperformed bonds, but underperformed um, large cap. So there's plenty of places in our universe to invest that have yet to uh, hitch total stride. And maybe the ones that are doing well will continue to do well because God knows they have the money and the capital and the wherewithal to keep on pushing on the envelope. Uh, it's a very strange time. I think it's incredibly exciting. I love this business. <laughs> Harold, trust me, we're all glad you're Harold Kotler and nobody else. Bill, Harold's point notwithstanding, China does continue to confound strategists and investors. Second quarter GDP reported earlier this week missed expectations. One thing's clear, any near-term growth surges in response to lifting COVID restrictions failed to live up to the hype. So zoom out for us a little bit here and share your thoughts around China growth or no growth as we look towards next year. Uh, sure, well, you know, I think you're right that the second quarter GDP numbers were a little disappointing. Um, you know, retail sales, for example, in June was up only 3% year on year, which is anemic by Chinese standards. They're still growing, however, um, you know, and very little concern about an outright recession in China. But, you know, we just heard from Pablo Salas, our, one of our emerging market experts, who think maybe China's growth in the next few years is a 4% type of number, which, you know, compared to the 8% numbers we used to be, you know, uh, accustomed to, um, you know, could be viewed as disappointing. But by any kind of global standards, that would be a very health, healthy trajectory for China to get back onto uh, in coming years, which, you know, gets the Herald's observation. This is a very, you know, cheap market at this point, and expectations have become very low. You know, the one wild card for China is the property market, which was starting to recover earlier this year, um, did take another downturn in recent months. And um, that, you know, creates financing problems for local Chinese governments who historically depended on land sales to, uh, you know, basically finance a lot of their activities. So, you know, there's a lot of focus really on whether the central Chinese government, um, which has a very pretty clean balance sheet, uh, you know, whether they come up with uh, uh, projects to stimulate consumption um, and take some of the pressure off those local governments that are still struggling with the real estate issue. But, you know, longer term, I think China, there's potential for China to still grow, you know, 4% plus for uh, quite a few years is there. And expectations, as Harold indicated, are pretty much rock bottom. 
Well, Harold and Bill, I want to thank you both as always for sharing your thoughts with me. And for those listening in, uh, should anyone listening in have any follow-up questions, please feel free to get in touch with your GWK contact person. And to our listeners, and to Bill and to Harold, have a safe and pleasant rest of your summer. We all look forward to connecting again soon in a few months. Thank you.